this finally after over a month a sequel to my Tokyo Ghoul season one review is happening right now holy cow um <laughs> so I said this in the Tokyo Ghoul season one description I did an update a few days ago um on the 22nd and root a which I'm going to be talking about, season two, Rude, that's what it's called, is hated by majority of everyone. There's maybe a review here and there that thought Rude A was pretty good. What are my thoughts about it? Well, it's, it's, I think it has a lot to do with the endings here um, and some plot elements. I think it has to do with a lot of, I think this season has a problem with closure, um, which at least I have another cliffhanger, but there are some problems with this season, mostly to do with closure. But I'll get into that in a minute. So, so in order for me to explain this better, I'm going to get the virus stuff out of the way. Sound of the music. Um, this one is a hit and a miss. I uh, there's a miss. Now that song that you heard me heard me in the, that you uh, heard an introduction. It's called "Glassy Sky." It plays throughout the entire season. It's a beautiful piece of music. Um, I like that song more than I do the opening theme. The opening theme for season two, Root A, is cheesy and is not that great. Now, "Glassy, Glassy Sky" is considered cheesy. "Unravel" is cheesy. This is the main problem with "Unravel." Unravel was cheesy, but I can get behind it. The opening cinematic and song for season two, Root A, doesn't make any sense to me. It's, I think one of the lines which don't make any sense to me when the pro, when a prostitute spat fire or something. So what the hell am I listening to? 
and the opening animation is kind of dull. Um, you're just seeing hands taking Conti's mask on and off. It's kind of boring, and so that's a negative to the season already. It's just the opening, the opening animation and the song is. The opening animation is boring, and the opening song to me is shit. That's just my opinion. Just gonna put it out there. The glassy sky is a really, really, really good song. Um, and unravel the song at the end of the season was really well done. Granted, I'm kind of mixed on that as well. Love Unravel. But I'll tell you why I was kind of mixed on it. So music is a hit and a miss on this one. Um, also on animation. I think the art style is the same as the season one, in my opinion. However, the animation, once again, is... I had the same problem with season one that I now have with season two. Is that the animation, I don't know if it's the video quality, but animation just stops. Just stops. And there's this one part of the of the show is when Toka, which is running in a straight line, running for like three to five minutes. And I think it has something to do with story pacing or something. But there's one scene during the whole fight scene. I'll talk about the endings here in a minute or the fight scenes. I think the fight scene animations look pretty damn good still. But um, there's one scene when I'll, I'll go into that later. So the animation is great at some parts and kind of iffy at some parts. Uh, the same, I, I said the same about season one. I think season one had great fighting animations and the cognate on the uh, on the uh, ghouls was really good. Um, the owl looks damn good. The demon ape looks good, and the black ape looks freaking amazing. I mean, all three of those characters really makes the characters pop. Kaneki and the others still look good as well. It's just there are some hiccups once again with the animation. I don't know what is up with this, but that's just my opinion on it. Now, story. Jesus. Okay. Um, I'm going to say this right at the top. I don't think this season is as compelling as season one, mostly because season one introduced you to the universe and to how to the ghouls and how they sort of worked, um, which is which is pretty cool. And this one, there are they have a lot of character arcs. I don't think the the main story is kind of all over the place. The character arcs are really good. The three stand out, in my opinion, between all the characters. I'll talk about them individually. But um, let's talk about... Um, I'm going to look at my script here. And let me talk about the characters individually. Um, again, by my the bottom and the human and the CCG, human side or CCG side or the ghoul side. I'm just going to talk about them randomly. So Toka. Um, Toka's a little bit different this time around. She's not as badass as she was in season one. Because I really like Toka in season one. She got saved by Carnegie at the right start of the season. Like right to start. From um, what was her brother's name? Adato. I think that's how I say his name. And um, basically, 
Carnegie joined Algiri, which I guess Algiri is the ghoul organization that I did not get the name right. Algiri. That's what, from what I can tell by translations, Algiri. So, okay. So he went to join Algiri, which I'll talk about in a minute. And Toku was confused. So when Conkey's gone, she starts to go to the school he went to, and he's trying. She's trying to figure out how to, how why he would turn like that. What was his reasoning? Um, she and she started to fall in love with him. I thought it was a decent role for her, but I don't think it was as good as season one's counterpart. Um, I'd say the character arcs are strong. Toka is in the middle. I don't I don't hate her, but I don't think her story arcs that great. However. When it relates to Kaneki's character arc, is done brilliantly. But for her as a character, it was in the middle for me. It wasn't that great. Um, Hitomi is is also very similar to Kaneki. She's in the middle as well. Hitomi is not an intimate story. She's main focus of the story like season one either. She is she's in between Kaneki and Toka's love stories in a sense. Enemies trying to help Kaneki figure out, like, Kaneki, Toka's falling in love with you. You got to do something. And and she can tell that Toka loves him by the way that Toka's act, acting and reacting to when Kaneki's gone. He's gone, and she can't, she's having a tough time relating that he's, he's, he's gone now. So, Enemy is kind of like, as one towards the end, when Kaneki tells Toka why he went to Algiri. Um and she she being Toka like a user self, this was a good for highlight of her character and it showed that her, her old self is still there. She just punches freaking Kaneki in the jaw and 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 then she, she was doing homework to go into school that Kaneki was going to. He said, man, Toka, why did you do that? Now he's making it harder for him to come back. And then he said, man, I got to study. Enemy, after that, after she heard that, she went outside on the balcony and started screaming. That's basically what Toka was doing inside. She was screaming inside. But the outside of her is saying, her outside is tough as nails. But the inside, she's screaming inside because she, what she did to Kaneki, she, she didn't like it. So Hinami is in the middle. She's basically playing the emotions of Kaneki and Toka, respectively. Um, so Hinami was in middle ground again. Um, now Kaneki. Let's talk about him. So why I need to join Algiri? You know, for a long time, when the first time I watched this, um, for this review, I watched it a second time. Um, I was confused about what his motives are. So why are you doing Algiri for? What's the reasoning? Why you join the I get basically the criminal ghoul organization? Why are you doing that? And there was a reason why he was doing that. He was feeding on ghouls to make himself stronger, make himself basically immortal. Now, here's the problem. I already mentioned this in season one, but now they went really into detail about this. Is what happens, okay, ghouls and humans eat ghouls eat humans to stay alive. That's true. What happens if a ghoul eats a ghoul? Basically, cannibalism. What happens? Well, they turn into cockages. What's cockages? Basically, when a ghoul eats a ghoul, they eat the, the ghoul's cotton egg or their powers. And 
become so addicted to it that basically they turn into a mindless monster and they're almost unkillable. Even a high-ranking freaking ghoul will have a tough time finding a cocky jug because they're so unpredictable. You don't know what, what power is going to be coming from what. So Kaneki was going down that route. But Allman, uh, investigator Allman, which I'll talk about here in a little bit, he he found Kaneki be feeding on one of the CCG officers, Cottonhead, that he was that was using to fight Kaneki. And he looked so um, just looked like uh, like a like I said, a mindless monster. And Allman said, said, I thought you were different from other ghouls, but what I see right now is just another mindless monster and snapped Karnaki out of it. Um, he stopped what he was doing immediately and he teared up. And then he out took him and ran off. Um, I'll talk about the owl in a minute. So basically, what we have here is Karnaki trying, he, he joined El Gini to get more powerful to protect the people that he loved. But that came at a cost because he drew he he drew Toko away in a sense. He left Hinami behind. He left Yoshimoa, Yoshi uh, Yoshimoa Muya. Here's the problem with with his name, Yoshimoto or Yoshimua. That it's that's very hard for me to say because of translations. Um, I think it's Yoshimiya. I think I can't I can't exactly sure now. I'm trying to get all the names right because the translation is kind of hard for me to say it. So he almost turned mindless monster in a sense. He basically, he almost did it, but almond snapped out of it. So, but that's not Kaneki's only concerns. When he's trying to sleep, he can't not control the cotton A that was, um, that he was eating some ghouls from. It, he couldn't control it. Get sprouting out of his back and he couldn't control it at all. And he's trying not to be that way, but he can't control it. That's another problem with the cockages is that they can't control the Kane at all. So not only are they mindless, but they can't control how they power up and stuff. That's very, very dangerous. And that's why it's taboo or almost forbidden. It's very unheard of because ghouls want to stay the hell away from them and the CGG don't know how to fight them. So cockages is not good either way. I don't think the show hasn't explained there's a full on cockage out in the um, universe yet. There might be one with the one out of Owl, which that's another negative, which I'm kind of confused about. I can see where it's going from, but I don't know if it's like a short one. So that's Kaneki's backstory. I thought it, I know where he was going with it, but I don't think his power had repercussions to it. He almost lost his whole being. Just protect the people we love. But if he lost his lost himself entirely, then he won't be his old self, and then people will just shun him away because he wasn't his old self. So he basically has the power between being the Kaneki that they all know and love. That's where Unravel comes in a lot, even in this season for Kaneki as well, and turn into a Kaneki. So and Kaneki's still even powerful in the universe without becoming a Kaneki because he is so. Freaking unpredictable. You don't know what he's going to do. So, overall, Kaneki's stuff, so it makes sense. Um, it may have made a lot of sense. 
So that's that. Now I'm gonna mention something right quick. Um the one had ghouls um besides Konaki. There are twin ghouls. Now that's really interesting. Because the backstory on these twin um these twin ghouls is that ECG um they were actually in the CCG Academy, but they also but they somehow transformed into ghouls. That we have no idea. They probably got a organ transplant like Konaki did. We have no idea. So and they had the little storyline and then they got dropped. I don't understand that. Apparently it has to do with Amon, but I don't know. Um that was kind of a negative. It's like, oh cool, cool. You got twin ghouls. <clears throat> Maybe to explain what happened to them, how to turn into ghouls, but they just dropped it. Um so nothing there. Um, now we're going to go to the human side things before I talk about Yoshimoa. Um, Amon. Amon is still the, great, the good character that I liked from season one. Granted, I think his part was, was a little bit uh, cuckoo. But now Amon has a partner with Akira Moto, Mato, Akira Mato, which is my, my, uh, his partner's daughter. Um, it, this is kind of a Negative to chemistry between these two. It feels like she started catching feelings for him, and he didn't want to get in between the way of business uh, partners. And I don't think their story was really necessary. Um, they did talk about um, uh, Mado from season one's motives, though, to why he was acting batshit crazy. Um, so the one-eyed owl, which I'll talk about in a minute, he basically killed his his wife, and his wife was also an investigator. So he was going all so hard to become a, a, a high investigator so he could take down the owl and take revenge for the owl killing his wife. That's why he acted like that. He tried his hardest, but he can't get past a certain rank. And he just wanted to take revenge on the owl for what he did to his wife years ago. That's why he, that's why he was acting crazy. So at least, hey, at least it cleared up Mato's freaking motives, right? I told you that they would clear that up. Now, so Almond was was pretty good. However, I also have a problem with his freaking closure on him as well. Um, so let's go into a highlight here. I I don't did I mention him? I didn't know his name, but now I know his name. I actually looked it up. So his name he was he came up in season one. But we didn't know what was wrong with him. He's kind of the cuckoo guy. But then season two, they talked about him. Juzo. He is the only, to me, is the highlight on the human side. I think his backstory is so interesting. And why was he acting like that? Because he was raised by ghouls to kill, kill humans in a fighting pit. The fighting pit that Konaki fought in, which I didn't mention. And Konaki fought in the fighting pit in season one with the gourmet. I didn't mention that, but basically Juzo was basically fighting the entire tournament. And for his reward for killing people, um, the ghoul just, the ghoul who was his mama, quote unquote, would just take a piece of, of like take a piece of flesh or finger or a toe and she would eat on it. It's like, uh, uh, okay, that's kind of messed up. And in one part of his backstory in the fighting pit, when he was fighting this guy and he stabbed this guy in the back of the neck, like, bam, 
bam, bam. He's doing continuously. And he was laughing. It's like, oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Like, oh, dude, come on, man. Come on. I was like, oh, oh, God. That was dark. <laughs> uh, he didn't know any better. He had no freaking moral standing ground because he was trained to kill people. It's kind of fucked up, to say the least. Good grief. Oh, my goodness. That was dark. But it's too compelling. That's the main thing. It was really compelling. It's dark as hell, though, but it's really compelling. Um, and then Doves, the Doves, or the CCG, rated that fighting pit um, Coliseum thing. And they found him just holding a knife. And the CCG actually talked about this. It's like, maybe we can recruit him for, um, maybe we can recruit him for the CCG. He said, Look, he has no moral standing ground. It's very hard. It, he, we don't know what he's going to do. I mean, he, he has no moral standing. It's, we, we don't know what he's going to do. So they did hire him for the CCG, and they had an investigator watch over him. And that's basically how the story played off for him. He He's crazy, but he's still a compelling character. And he kind of see with the investigator he got close to that he felt bad for how for his his uh, investigator that was looking look after him died basically became like a parent figure to him because it's all he had so Juzo's backstory and his character were really really interesting I really like Juzo a lot um next the big one. I, Dial or Yoshimura, if I say his name right. Yoshimura or Yoshimura. Now, let me explain his backstory. So, Karnaki came back to Oteku. Yes, that's the coffee shop. I'm getting that right. He, he came back to Oteku and he asked about Dial. Who's Dial? Why does he keep saving me? And Yoshimura told a story about. Kuzin, I think that's what his name, Kuzin or Kuzin. Back in the day, Kuzin was a ghoul. He embraced the evil that he was, and he ended up killing not only humans, but ghouls alike. All right? And when he was doing all of this, an organization, which they didn't say his name, they didn't say what they were, but it was an organization that paid him a lot of money. And guess what he became? He became a ghoul assassin killing humans and ghouls alike. He was basically hired as a hitman, basically. Um, he was doing, you know, hitman stuff. Until he found a little waitress in a coffee shop and started falling in love with her. And um, he tried to stop his assassin ways. But in your, if you're in that line of field, you can't just stop being an assassin. You can't just stop being a hitman because you know a lot of things that you shouldn't be knowing and you will be hunted. But I'll, let me get into that in a minute. So Cruzin and his wife had a baby. They got pregnant and he just told him, told her the disturbing news about a child. But in a rare case, they actually had the baby. He was a one-eyed ghoul like Kaneki is. Was it actual natural born ghoul birth. So, 
they had a baby. But at the time, the assassin corporation that hired Cousin started chasing them, chasing them. Cousin's wife ended up getting killed right in front of Cousin and his, his son. And then he retreated. And in order to save his son, he left him in a cave and just left him there. And the one thing that made me tear up, that baby was holding on to his pinky finger or his thumb to not let him go. And that was so touching. And oh my gosh. Um, and basically at the end, Yoshimura said, and that one I go ended up terrorizing people for 20s for lots and lots and lots and lots of years. He hated everything in life. He just hated everything. My son. And that right there is Yoshimura's backstory. He basically told the story to Kaneki, but it was his story. Basically, he was Kuzin, but under the name of Yoshimura. That's why. And Yoshimura's backstory, oh my god. Dude, it was the highlight of the show for me because this was the emotional moment. The first time I watched this, it made me tear up. And yes, it made me tear up the first time it happened. And Yoshimura was the only character to me that actually had damn good closure. Like I said, I'm going to talk about the endings here in a minute, how I have a problem with the endings in general. But Yoshimura's story was well done. It was freaking awesome. I loved his story. And it got me watch it even more. So... Now, before I go into the negatives, I'm going to mention the positives. And then I'm going to talk about the endings, all right? The positive, the characters are the three highlights. The two highlights for me was Juzo and Yoshimura. Kaneki's not that bad, He's but he's not great. Um, Toko was gr- good, but not great. Hinami the same way. Um... So Hide, I'm going to talk about Hide a little bit, just a little bit. He, um, and that's going to be another ending problem. Um, but Hide was basically playing a spy. He knew Kaneki was a ghoul. You can tell he was a ghoul. But he was playing he was playing a bike messenger, and he was looking into what CGG were doing. And he basically became a spy. That was a good role for Hide, I got to admit. So that's that. All right. Anyway, that's good. Music was hitting a miss, but I think the music, I think the two pieces of music are still great. I'm not blaming the music for how the ending was shot. I'm just not going to say that. The anime, I still think looks pretty good. Um, I just think the animation is kind of wonky. Um, so it's kind of wonky here at parts, but the fighting animation looks pretty good. The characters still look really dang good. So animation and sound in, in, in terms of looks are really good. And the story for Yoshimura, Juzo, and Kaneki were, in my opinion, were really entertaining. Now, the negatives. This is what I've been talking about this entire review. This is about the endings for this. Um, I have a problem with these endings a lot. I think it has something to do with how it's structured. Now, I th- the first half of the season was kind of slow, but it wasn't unwatchable. And then we got to the final four episodes. I think the final four episodes were great because it led to a climactic battle. Now, why was this about started? Let, let's, let's, let's start with this. 
Harry Porter, who is disguised as the author of a book, who's a part about Giddy, told the CCG about a, a lead that they have about a coffee shop talking about Oteka and that they might be a part about Giddy. Let's put that into mind right quick. So the CCG actually, investigator actually went to go investigate. And um, they thought that the guy was the one I ghoul. Apparently they got it right. So now we have a big epic fight between the CCG going to go attack Oteku. Now, a lot of people had a problem with this particularly. I read the comments on the internet before watching this. I was reading the comments. And a lot of people were not, were very upset about why would Yoshimura and the other guys start to fight back when they were against that to begin with. Let me explain this in a simpler terms. The main reason why they did, because if they decided to fight back, because at one point, Yoshimura and the other characters, the black dog and the the uh, demon ape, they knew their time was coming to an end. Their their sins, granted, they tried to redeem those sins, but those sins were going to come up and bite them. And Yoshimura knew this was coming one day, and the other two knew it as well. So what they did, they, they pushed everybody out. They didn't kill them. They let Toka, Yomo, and Hinamine go out to safety while they go fight the CCG. Basically, they made the CCG fool them to saying that they got they eliminated them, which is not exactly true, but they pushed them out of the way and left them to safety. So it was the, the Demon Ape, the Black Dog, and Yoshimura fighting the CCG. Um, and I thought the fight scenes were really awesome here. Um, and I understand why they're attacking. They lived under secrecy for all these years to not expose themselves because if they knew that if they exposed themselves, their sins would come back to haunt them because they did some horrible things in their past. The Black Dog and the Demon Ape did some horrible things. They didn't say what they exactly did, but they did some horrible things and they were keeping themselves under, under the Oteku coffee shop banner to protect themselves and to give other ghouls a chance to make a life for themselves, to become what they did, what they couldn't be, a good per, good person blending, blending with the human society as a ghoul. That was the main purpose. Um, and they, and Yoshimura and the others knew that it's going to catch up to them eventually. And they said this: so "I want my sins are being paid for. I want my sins to be paid. Yes, I did try to do a lot of good." But I knew it was going to come back in the end and bite me. I, I, it's going to catch up to me sooner or later. And Yoshimura had the same idea. He did a lot of atrocity things back in the day with the owl. Now, granted, this is where I'm getting to a little bit of negative territory. Um, one line, particularly, they fucked the owl. I was like, fight Yoshimura. They, they, CZ officers asked him, man, is he getting smaller with age or something? I mean, what's up? He's way smaller than he used to be. That's going to come into play because 
maybe they're fighting the wrong one night out. And this is where I'm going to be keeping in here. So let me talk about that. Then I'm going to talk about the Allman and Conkey fight. Um, the one night out situation. So they ended up killing Yoshimura. Let me talk about the ending for Yoshimura's death. Oh my goodness. It was shot so brilliantly. It was done very, very well. I really enjoyed this. So when Yoshimura basically stopped, he heard that Kaneki was in the area, or they call him the Eye Patch. They they came, he heard about it, then he was trying to run away. But he was distracted, and he, and he basically died. But right before he died, he saw a vision of his wife, grabbed her hand, and he smiled, and he died. And said he died with peace in his heart. That was really well shot. That was really well done. And Yoshimura's death was a damn good closure for him as a character. It was really, really well done. That was one of the best parts of the season for me. Is Yoshimura's, not only his backstory, but his death was really well done. It made me shed a tear. I'm not lying. So, Yoshimura, well done on that. Good job. Now, why not out? So, when Yoshimura died, there was another one-eyed one-eyed owl, and this one was completely ghoul mode. He was not, I'm gonna say this, he did not look like a human. He looked like a full cockajah. And I asked April this the other night. It's like, is the one night this other one-eyed owl? Is he a cockajah? He said, I don't know. It's like that's the thing. The one-eyed ghoul, the one-eyed owl was so confused. I think. Is Yoshimura protecting his son for all these years? And he killed the wrong one-eyed owl. But then the one-eyed owl, to me, I don't know if his son or if it's not his son. It's really confusing. I don't think they explained it very well. There's another one-eyed ghoul. A one-eyed owl. It's cool. But he looked completely differently than Yoshimura did. Way bigger and way more powerful. It don't make any sense. Now the fight. Now I'm gonna say this: the fight between the the S the high-ranking investigator that's meant to fight the the, uh, the one-eyed owl, fighting the one-eyed owl. That was freaking awesome. That guy was just calm as hell and just doing his shit, doing his thing. It was he was so well hexed and it was so well. That fight was awesome. It was a little too short, but the one-eyed owl at the end. Gulped Yoshimura's body and ran off. Now, what happened to the one eyed owl? Who, who is he really? Is he Yoshimura's son? Turned like he, he he just turned into a ghoul, or what is he? We uh, I think I think it's relating to Yoshimura protects his son all this time, but I have no idea. That's really confusing to me. So that is a negative right there. Now, like I said, this is another negative. Um. Almon versus Kaneki. I think this fight was really intense. It was cool. But it was done. Like, done. It's like they fought one scene and then they knocked each other out and it was done. It was it was so intense to stir off, but then it just ended abruptly for me. And I didn't like that. Um, now, they knocked each other out at the end. So they knocked each other out, okay? 
or they both died. But Carnegie survived, but he's bleeding out. Now, this is where I'm going to go into a little bit of negative territory again. Almond's death. Supposed death. I have no fucking idea. And this is where I just get really irritated. So, Almond, when Konaki went went to go back to to Oteku to try to to try to find everybody, okay. So Kiramoto found out that she was sent to where Almond was, and here's the weird thing: Almond weapon was there that he fought Konaki with, but his body wasn't there. That is weird. His body wasn't there at all. So because oh Konaki hit him. Well Konaki got knocked out after the fight was done. He's out. So what happened to his body? Is he still alive? Did he get get his body or what is going on? To me, I really didn't like that either. There's no close for Almond's death at all. Will they bring it up in season three? I hope dare sure hope so. Cause I didn't like that at all. His ending, his the character death felt so incomplete. It's like, okay, he was knocked out from the fight. Conky survived. But he didn't. He his body wasn't there, but his weapon was there. So where the hell was his body? If his body wasn't wasn't there, or they might have survived and walked off, or they how Giddy took him. I had no idea. I did not like that very much at all, at all with that. I think Almond's uh, it, no closure for me. I'm really quite pissed about that, in, in my opinion. Now, two more negatives that I'm gonna be done. Um, and this is with Oteku, the coffee shop that I grew to love for Kaneki and the gang, and I still love them even in season two. How did this thing burn down? That's the one thing that I watched. The, the first time I was shocked it even happened, I was just shocked in awe about what was happening. But I'm going to say this, but I was watching the second time when Toko's running, running forever, three to five minutes, just running. Why did she arrive that the place burned down? Konki and Hide was in there because Hide rescued Konki and took him back to Otaku. But how did it burn down? That's the thing. I'm really confused here. Unless he didn't turn a coffee pot off or something, I don't think it would cause that big, of, that big of a massive fire. Oh God! Okay, it, to me, Otaku burning down. I don't get it. What happened? How did it burn down? We don't know. And will they bring it up ever again? Probably not. I hope they do. But I'm not happy with Otaku burning down either because they didn't show how the hell it happened. It's just the ending starting to piss me off from every conceivable sense here. Um, I was the first time I watched it, I was in tears. But the second time I watched it, it's like, why is this burning down for? What? People say, well, Connie can burn it down. It's like, how? How? I'm not happy with that either. Now, the final thing I'm kind of irritated about too, and this is actually the most thing I'm really pissed off about. He days quote-unquote, death scene. You know what? They did, I thought it was shot really brilliantly at first. Actually, at first, I thought it was actually shot really brilliantly because you could hear blood dripping all over the floor. 
And I said, oh, man, that might be that might be Kaneki's blood. But no, it's Hide's blood. He was bleeding out. He got attacked by a ghoul, which he was bleeding out. That's true. He got attacked by a ghoul. You could tell that he was attacked off screen. But when I, the, the ghoul turned around and found him, he, the ghoul probably attacked him. So, first things first. And this is where I'm going to be even more negative. Kaneki is a ghoul, is he not? Akumi couldn't smell Hide's blood when he was bleeding out. That's one good question. Why can he smell Hide's blood? What the hell? I was, yes, I'm always half ghoul, half human, but he still had the smell of blood. Am I wrong on this? Did he, could he smell blood even in season one? Could he not? But how come he didn't smell Hide's blood when he was bleeding out? Oh, God. Logic. Logic. It don't make any sense here. It's just made me so upset. Um, the final scene. This is where I get even more pissed off. So, Hide is supposedly dead. Now, I'm going to see this one scene. I just looked at it again. When Kaneki was crying. But he said, bring me home. Take us home. That made me cry. And it was really well done. The voice acting here, and the voice acting was once again great. Um, the When Kaneki was bleeding, when he was crying, his ghoul eye dripped onto Hide, and he reacted and smiled. So is Hide dead or is he not? Is he dead or is he not? Was did he die after that? I, he might have died after that. I have no idea. Now, playing that song Unravel, playing at the scene with Kaneki carrying Hide's body, it was really well shot, I gotta admit. The song maybe going to tears. But is Hide really dead because of that? Did he die right after he fell? Kaneki's tears when he's crying? I have no idea. Um, and then the ending, the ending ending wasn't a bad, it was it had left on a cliffhanger. It is not a bad thing. So Kaneki was leading Ide's body or, or unconscious body to the high-ranking investigators fighting the Wild Owl. And, and the, the scene in the back of my head Yoshimura told Kaneki, said, Kaneki, you're a one-eyed ghoul. You can settle things between humans and ghouls and make them get along with each other. You're the one that can make that happen. And when Hide was wearing a CCG uniform and Kaneki carrying him, that was good symbolism there. I thought it was done very, very well in that respect. Um, and Unravel in the background, the song playing was really well done as well. And when he took him to now, has some people saying about the black and white hair? I didn't see that at all. If this hair turned black and turned into white, and that was kind of confusing. I'm not going to talk about that. I have no idea what that's about. But I'm talking about the ending scene on um, the season. He took him to the Arakan officer, laid him down, and that's it. They probably made some sort of deal, and that's it. So that was the end of the season. Um, I think see the ending season got the ending of the season just made me so irritated. Just 
three things that just pissed me off. Almond's supposed undeath or non-death. It don't make any sense. His body wasn't there at all. And he, and he supposedly died, but his body wasn't there. But his weapons there, but his body wasn't there. And Kaneki couldn't have eaten his body at the time because he was knocked out. So I don't know. That pissed me off. And I'm still kind of thinking about what what is going on with Almond. Um, Otaku burning down really made me mad too. It just burned down for no particular reason. There was no reason. Unless, like I said, unless Hide and Kaneki did, did something wrong in there. I, I, it just don't make any sense. Um, and then Hide's, is Hide alive or dead? I have no idea either. Here's the main problem. I don't have a problem with cliffhangers for story, for maybe future story arcs like Kaneki bringing Hide's body to the officer. You said, say, ooh, what's going to happen next? But with Almond's supposed death, it's like, what? His body wasn't there, but his weapon was. It don't make any sense to me. And then Artiku just burning down. I think it was meant for shock value. And I didn't like that either. So what I, so what am I think about season two in general? I think I'm done now. Um I can see why people don't like the season very much. I can perfectly see it. Did I enjoy it? Yes, but the endings just made me antsy, made me really, really irritated. Like I said, this season has some bright moments. I think Kaneki's story is really good. Yoshimura's was a highlight, and Juzo's story was a highlight. And the other characters were not bad either. I still enjoyed those other characters. I think they're kind of middle of the road. But the endings just made me so mad. And with especially Oteku and Almond's death, Supposed death. I have no idea if he's alive or dead or not. Hopefully, they explain that. I hope because I wasn't really satisfied with that. So I thought Almond was a good character until that shit. So, what I recommend season two? If give it a shot, but what I'm warning you now is that it has a lot of problems, especially towards the end. Um, uh, it, I just got more irritated, more irritated. While I'm, while I'm recording this, it's just... Uh, so, is this good season one? No. No, no, no. Season one actually had a cliffhanger, but it wasn't bad. Actually, it had a cool fight scene, and Kaneki ate, ate supposedly ate Jason. That's not a bad ending per se. It was well done. But with Almond's death and Otiku burning down, I didn't like that at all. Hide's the sibilance for Hide's body being carried to the investigator was really well done with a rival in the background. That was really well done. Well shot. And wondering if Hide is alive or dead or not is also kind of irritating. But it led to a really the final scene in the show. So that I don't have a big, huge problem with. But Almond's death and uh, Jaku burning down just pissed me off. So um, just be cautious, guys. I'm, I still like this show. Uh, but season one, I thought it was great. Season two is good, but not great. I think season one was great. Season two is just good. Just good. It has some 
right spots. It also has some negative parts to it. So that's all I got to say um, for this episode. So, yeah.